Welcome to episode 5.8 of the Online Warriors podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm here with Tectic, um, and I am your host, Nerd Bomber, this week. Again, we're missing Illegal because he is on a wonderful, well-deserved vacation. He is on a beach somewhere, probably drinking a Mai Tai or a margarita and dipping his toes in the water. I hope he's drinking a Mai Tai or a margarita, but I really, really, really bet you that it's a Apple Teeny specifically. He does like his Apple Teenies. That said, this week we're going to cover a few topics that came up in the news. Uh, first, we're going to start off talking about the new Mulan live action trailer that Disney released. Then we'll get into the Pokemon Sword and Shield trailer that dropped and some of the new information that we were able to glean from that trailer. And then we'll get into HBO Max, a new streaming service from Warner that will be rivaling Netflix, Hulu, and all of the existing streaming services. After that, Instead of our What Are You Up To Wednesday, we'll be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home, our takes, impressions, and what we thought. It will be a spoiler-filled segment, so stay clear of that if you haven't seen the movie. And then we'll get into our normal Fantasy Movie League roundup and Spider-Man trivia. So, Tactic, what do you say we just jump into this? I am all for jumping right into it. All right, so I guess we'll start off with the Mulan trailer. Have you seen the trailer? I did, and honestly, from the trailer itself, before I did some digging and found other things out, I did get goosebumps. I was very excited to see it. The action looked fantastic. Some of the plot line and story seemed to be true to the Disney uh, arc, Um, but there was some other information that I found. But first, what were your first impressions? I thought the trailer looked really good. It reminded me a lot of the original animated trailer. In fact, I was watching this segment. I want to say IGN had posted it where they did a, a like scene by scene comparison between the animated trailer and the live action trailer. And they followed the an- old animated trailer pretty closely. So I was super impressed with that. Basically, though, what I think you're alluding to is there is a few things missing. And this Mulan movie will be a little bit different than the animated one that we're all used to. The two major things that will be missing are music and Mushu. No. I'm a little sad because some of the Mulan music was like pretty banging jams. I really like that. Be a man. That was my favorite one. I still jam to that. So I was reading a little bit online why they chose to do that and kind of get away from the more musical aspect and even why they removed Mushu because he was kind of cartoony and obviously not realistic. So apparently they wanted to go back to the roots of the original story behind Mulan, which was Chinese girl trying to kind of revolt against the traditional aspect of like, as a young woman, you'd be married off and that'd be all you were good for. So they kind of want to go back to the story's roots and they want to take a little bit more serious and action-packed tone to the movie, which I think could be really interesting. See, I think I'm fine with, with that side of it and and i can get behind if if that means they need to take away some of the disney-esque songs but i think that they could still kind of have that feel and have some semblance of mushu and what i mean by that is some kind of their ancestors guiding her through some mythological being and it doesn't necessarily have to be a cartoony dragon right it can be this ominous voice that that points her in the direction i hope that they keep mushu's spirit alive in some fashion 
Well, I mean, dragons have always been a really important part of ancient Chinese culture. So I could see somehow uh, some kind of callback to maybe even even like a dragon sculpture or statue that she comes across that kind of is a wink to Mushu. Um, The one thing that I was reassured at was that um, I was reading that they will have some of the music as instrumental scores in the background of the movie. So I'm kind of curious to see how they actually do that because I would love to basically hear Be a Man in the background if she has any like training scenes. That would be really cool. Will you be in the theater singing the lyrics that should be there? Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. People are going to throw popcorn at you. So this movie won't be coming out until 2020. I believe it's slated for a late March release in 2020. Do you think you're going to go see it? I will see it. I mean, I've I've already seen Aladdin. I'm slated to see Lion King. I've already seen Beauty and the Beast. I, I mean, it's all my childhood, right? You got to go see every single one. I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past about how there's so many new Disney remakes and people really haven't asked for it. But since they are our childhood and we've pretty much gone to see every single one so far, how have you been feeling about them? Are you pretty satisfied or? Good. I'm just a little curious how they're going to do live action Lilo and Stitch. Do you think, have you seen something about that or are you just hopeful? I don't want to start a rumor, but. I haven't seen anything, but but I'm a little hopeful. That would be a lot of fun. I would actually really love to see the Hawaiian culture, either Lilo and Stitch or Moana. I think those are both ripe for a good live action movie somehow. Ohana. Classic Stitch voice. I love it. It's my Stitch. So now we're going to get into something that we're both super, super, super excited for. And that is the Pokemon Sword and Shield new trailer. Did you get a chance to watch that? I did, and there are some parts of it that I'm pretty excited for, but there's also parts that I'm just kind of meh about, and specifically the parts that I'm meh about are the Gigantamaxing. I mean, everyone's really excited about it as far as the throwback to the giant Pokemon episode back when we were kids, Mm -hmm. but aside from that, it's just one more Digimon-esque thing that we're just kind of apathetic about, in my opinion. It kind of reminds me of the Pokemon card game. It seems like one of those like special card types that are out there, the, like the EX type cards and stuff like that, or like the, the Mega type cards. And I, I know that those really stemmed from the Pokemon game initially, but it, it really doesn't feel that different than like the Mega Evolutions. It, it's just going to be like a bigger Pokemon, different appearances, and a new special powerful attack. I feel like... In a way, yeah, okay, this brings a new element to the Pokemon games, but it almost feels like a recycled element. They're just slapping a slightly different twist on it and saying that it's something brand new. The one thing about the Gigantamaxing that I do find kind of interesting, and it, it kind of makes me question um, the the game as a whole, not like in a bad way, I'm just like wondering about this aspect of the game, is they said that Gigantamax Pokemon will be rare. And one of the opportunities that you're going to have to catch them will be in a max raid battle. And that seems to me like there's going to be some kind of like multiplayer online segment to the game. And maybe I just need to do a little bit more research on that. But that would be an interesting aspect of a Pokemon game to me. See, I I can't really get behind that because my favorite thing about the Pokemon games, it's something... Traditionally, right, when you're a kid, you, you play it in the back seat of the car while your mom and dad are on a road trip and you just zone and get all your badges. 
You don't need to be playing with other people. It's your own world. It's you versus the AI. And if I have to now, you know, go online and interact with people and do all these raid battles, I'm probably not going to get any Gigantamax Pokemon, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if it'll be a necessity per se. There's got to be different ways to catch them. You'll probably be able to somehow evolve them. But it just, it remember, or reminds me a lot of Poke MMO, which was something that I had played back in the day. It was actually like a fan hack where they had gotten a ROM of one of the old school Game Boy games. I want to say it was like red or blue. And they turned it into an MMO game where you basically just ported it up and you played the game. It was red and blue, like the old school game, but you just saw other people in the game. I think we played together. We did play together. It was, in my opinion, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I I, I like to be in my own little world. I feel like as we're starting to get away from the handheld slot of this game, because now that it's going to be on Switch, like this is the first mainstream console that it's really going to be on that's not a handheld only type console, I feel like we're going to start to see more and more of an online component. And all, I mean, all of the 3DS games, they had plenty of online battles. I mean, there was a whole Wonder Trade system. There were whole leagues based around online battles. Like, I think we're only going to see more online Pokemon, especially even with the success of Pokemon Go. Building some kind of community around Pokemon, I think would be really fun. Yeah, I can get behind that. The one thing that I am really excited for, though, however, is some of the Pokemon that were revealed. I was super excited about the Corgi Pokemon. Yamper. Yep. Yamper is adorable. As you can tell, I was the one on our social media who was like, this is adorable. Because it's adorable. It's a Corgi. How do you not like Corgis? It's not going to be on my team. My electric dog will forever be Jolteon. That's fine. But is Jolteon even in this new game? Yeah, but he's so much cuter. He's Jolteon such a is good boy. super cute. This is a kind of a side note, but if any of you have an Aldi grocery store. Or Costco. You, well, Aldi is the one that has the Evolution tins. Right now at all, well, I think we've been to a few Aldis in different areas. We've been traveling a little bit. And each Aldi has had a Jolteon Pokemon tin and it came with three booster packs inside as well as a special edition Jolteon card. There was a Vaporeon one and a Flareon card. So... If you collect cards, we had some pretty good pulls in there. There were some like Mega EX Pokemon in there. Got a Mega Rayquaza. Yeah, it was pretty good pulls. But there are also one other reveal from the trailer was that the different games will actually have different gym leaders based on what game that you have. And this is a first for the series. What do you think about that? Well, first, I didn't get to say my favorite Pokemon. My favorite one is, is Duraludon. He's a steel dragon white uh with like a rock formation thing and it looked awesome i'm a big fan of dragon if i could have it my way i'd be lance that was a pretty sweet pokemon so what were you saying about the gym leaders again uh so they announced that each different game will have different gym leaders that you can face um so sword will have a gym leader called b who is more of a martial arts type leader so i'm sure she'll have fighting pokemon and stuff like that and then S.H.I.E.L.D. will have Alistair, who's more of a gothic fighting ghost type leader. Not fighting, sorry. A gothic ghost type leader. So I, that still kind of makes me lean towards S.W.O.R.D. Everything that I'm seeing about these games screams 
Nerd Bomber wants sword. Which is fine, because Tectic wants shield. I think we're going to be one of those households that ends up with both versions of the game. We might benefit. I usually don't pre-order games, but we might benefit from a pre-order because I did see that if you pre-order the dual pack, you get all three starter Pokemon in keychain form with your pre-order. Whoa, but not in real form. No, just keychain form. It would be really sweet if you got real Pokemon, but... Damn, how am I going to catch them all? So, while we're kind of between topics here, I do want to take a moment to talk about PodCoin. PodCoin is a new podcatcher, and they will pay you to listen to podcasts. They reward you PodCoin for every minute of podcasts that you listen to. And you can take those PodCoin and apply them towards gift cards or even donate them to charity. If you're not already a member of PodCoin and you don't have the app, you can download it now on both iPhone and Android. And if you're a brand new user, you can use our code, Online Warriors, and that'll get you 300 PodCoin for free just for starting out. Check it out. Um, like I said, iPhone and Android, it's a great way to listen to podcasts and make money doing it. That said... We also have some words from our friends at Cross Atlantic Gaming. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Online Warriors podcast. My name is Chocolatebear80, and I'm here to tell you about Cross Atlantic Gaming. We are a gaming-centric podcast. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all your other fantastic podcast catchers. Check out our website at www.crossatlanticgaming.com. Now back to the show. Tectic, Nerd Bomber, Illegal, take it away. Before we dig back into the news, I just want to give a quick shout out to our Patreon producer, Ben Checkness. He has been our Patreon producer for the last few months, and we couldn't do it without his support. He gives us so much great feedback and has even given us full trivia topics and questions, that great pinball trivia that we did a couple weeks ago, that was all him. He's been a great supporter, and you can be a great supporter too. If you go on patreon.com slash online warriors podcast, you can support us for as little as a dollar. There are three different tiers. There's the page, squire, and knight tier. If you subscribe at any tier level, you will get access to exclusive Patreon bonus segments. And if you subscribe at the Square or Night tier, you'll get even more benefits with exclusive vlogs from one of our members every month. Pretty cool stuff. So now we're going to get right back rolling with the news. The next topic that we're covering is HBO Max. This is a new streaming service that's going to launch in spring 2020. And it's going to combine some of your biggest top known brands. It's going to have shows from HBO. It's going to have shows from CW. And it'll also have some old time favorites like Friends, which will be pulled off Netflix and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Do you know if you need base, if you need cable to run it? I believe you will need to have a subscription of some sort to access these shows. So, do you think that this would be another streaming service that you would be willing to subscribe to? I don't know what makes it really stand out as opposed to Netflix or Hulu to really say that I would do it other than it's got some of the shows available that are on HBO. That said, if I have cable already, 
I have HBO Go on access. So what what makes it stand out? That I'm really not so sure. I mean, that's a good question, especially when we look into um, like NBC announced that they're going to have their own streaming service that will be launching, I believe, next year. So I think we're really seeing like an influx of all of these streaming services. And I'm not really sure how that bodes for any of the streaming services, because I think Netflix became so popular because it was one place you could go. You subscribed monthly and you pretty much had any TV show you could think of to binge watch. What I'm curious about is, is does Netflix take away from people getting cable? And these are apps that are included in your cable package to get people back to that and not have Netflix. I'm not sure if this is included with cable, but if it is, it might be a really good marketing ploy. I mean, you have a point there. This could be like classic standard TV organizations trying to grasp as much as they can onto people's subscriptions. I mean, especially HBO, I feel like they must be struggling a little bit now that Game of Thrones is over. That was such a juggernaut for them with so many viewers either subscribing to HBO Go or just subscribing to the cable service altogether. Unless they can come up with another huge show like that, they might benefit from pulling friends off of Netflix and having this all-in-one place to go if you're a cable subscriber to get people away from Netflix again. Because I don't really know what the draw of HBO Go unless you're like really digging into some of their older premium content. That's a great point because as soon as Game of Thrones ended, everyone jumped onto the Stranger Things bandwagon and now Netflix is having a party. I mean, it'll also be interesting to see how this impacts Netflix. And I feel like Hulu might struggle from this too, because especially if these these different shows like the NBC streaming service, if they're pulling all of their NBC shows and the this HBO Max will be pulling CW shows. I know one of Hulu's big perks and why we have Hulu in addition to Netflix is that they give you the ability to watch episodes the day after it airs, right, without having to wait for the full season to load. So I wonder how that'll impact the likes of Hulu because I can't see HBO Max allowing CW shows to also show up on Hulu because that'll just eat away from their own subscribers and profits. And the same goes with that NBC streaming service that they announced a while back. Hopefully this brings Netflix down to the ground, I guess would be the best way to phrase it, because what it has been seeming like is that they've reached this pivotal point where they can charge customers whatever they want. Hopefully this added competition will force them to be more competitive and ultimately benefit us. I hope so. Although, honestly, Netflix has been a powerhouse when it comes to original content, and not a lot of it has been great. But I think even the Adam Sandler and, oh man, Rachel from Friends, Jennifer Aniston, that movie that they released, I think that broke some kind of record for a streaming service, at least. In the first weekend that it premiered, they said it would have made like a killing, like 40 million or something in the box office based on how many people watched on that first weekend. So they're really proving like even their content production right now is almost unrivaled. Aside from like the big movie studios, even their TV shows, there hasn't really been a a lot of TV shows on traditional cable networks that have garnered the attention or pull that a lot of these Netflix originals have. It'd be refreshing to see if, if, like I said, if something can really put Netflix in its place. 
It'll be interesting for sure. I think the next few years for streaming services in general are just going to be really interesting to watch. It'll be hard to to figure out where I want to put my money in terms of streaming services, to be totally honest. And that's why you get a remote with 18,000 buttons to switch between all your streaming services. That's true. But if I'm paying like for Netflix, you're paying 15 a month. For Hulu, you're paying another 10. If you add on the NBC one, although that one I think was free with commercials and then HBO Max, like soon you're getting pretty close to having a cable subscription. At the end of the end, the customer always gets screwed. Thumbs up. So now, the cream of the crop. After we've gone through the news, we usually dig into our What Are You Up To Wednesday segment. But this week, we both had the privilege of seeing Spider-Man Far From Home. So instead of our typical What Are You Up To Wednesday, we're going to kind of combine our two experiences to do a full-on review spoiler cast of Spider-Man Far From Home. Spoilers. Yeah, so if you haven't seen the movie already, highly recommend that you kind of back away, put us on mute, look in the podcast description, and skip to a different part of the podcast. Otherwise, you will have the movie heavily spoiled. So the thing to remember, too, as we move forward is get your Peter Tingle ready, because there will be spoilers. I just want to rapid fire keep saying it. Okay, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. That's a tactic. Do you want to lead us into a good synopsis? I know you did a really good synopsis of Toy Story 4 last week. So do you want to lay out Spider-Man Far From Home? Just give us a kind of overview of what happened? Sure. So Spider-Man is traveling and he doesn't want to be Spider-Man. He just wants to be a kid on vacation. But as you know, life as a hero is not easy. So he goes to Europe and wouldn't you know it, there are all sorts of elemental creatures Lo and behold, a mysterious man called Mysterio shows up to try to quote-unquote save the day, but what it turns out is that the elementals are actually holograms that he's using to fool everyone and get everyone's trust, become a hero, and pretty much manipulate society into getting what he wants. Classic Mysterio, if I may. Um, This is discovered by Peter Parker, a.k.a. your man Spider-Man. And he confronts him, takes him down, bing, bang, boom. The day is saved. It was a little bit more nuanced than that, I would say. I mean, so Mysterio originally paints himself as someone who comes from another dimension. And this was something that we had talked about when the trailer first came out, is they kind of played with the idea of having multiple different dimensions, like a, a huge multiverse. And so he painted himself as coming from another Earth, And an Earth where he and his fellow heroes had failed to stop the elementals and basically the Earth was wiped out. So somehow he had made his way to our Earth, or Peter Parker's Earth, where he was hoping to try to stop the same fate from befalling the people of Earth. By the way, I'm really glad that they didn't stick with the whole alternate Earths and everything because... I personally think there were plot holes in the time travel thing from Avengers Endgame, and that would have added one more arc of confusion. I mean, the multiverse angle would have been really confusing, but it would have also, it would have been interesting to see if um, Mysterio really didn't turn out to be the bad guy. I think the entire movie, I, I will say, so... I, I didn't really have an issue with the movie being predictable, but if you have any knowledge of the comic book, and I know most people probably going into the movie don't, so they were really surprised when Mysterio turned out to be a bad guy. Um, but 
I think it would have been an interesting angle if Mysterio somehow would have turned out to be a good guy and then his alter ego from our Earth was the bad guy who like took over for him or something. But in this movie, Mysterio never actually was from a different universe or multiverse Earth. He was actually just one of Tony Stark's past employees who had helped him develop a hologram system and he felt dissed when Tony Stark basically told him that his holograms were more or less nothing but like a fun toy that they wouldn't have a huge impact on the earth. So he was fired and then along with a lot of other previous Stark Industries employees, um, they came up with a scheme to basically make a superhero that people would believe in. So they used the hologram technology, they came up with this whole backstory, and Mysterio basically played this part as an actor, and they created disasters for him to solve so that the Avengers, or really um, S.H.I.E.L.D., would begin to trust him. And overall, he was able to trick Peter Parker into giving him full control to the defense systems from Stark Industries, which Tony Stark had given to Peter Parker upon his passing. Again, if you haven't seen Endgame, that's a spoiler. Don't know what to tell you there. So overall, then, that gave him access to all of the drones to make this even more monumental kind of fake tragedy befall London, which then Peter Parker realized with the help of Mary Jane that this was all a huge just ploy and then had to go basically fix his mistake in trusting Mysterio. So the biggest talking point is, in my opinion, all of that was kind of predictable. I, I disagree with you that no one going to the movie really knows the comic book. I think everyone saw that coming. Um, but the biggest thing that I thought was a twist was there were two post-credit scenes. If you haven't stuck around down for the whole thing, there were two. You missed the second one. So the first one, let's talk about, and that was the fact that Mysterio came up on the big television and then said, one, Peter Parker's identity, and two, that Peter Parker uh, killed innocent people. Well, basically, they just showed that he killed... Actually, yeah, he they did show... So initially, he implied that he killed Mysterio only, but then they showed Peter Parker somehow ordering drones to execute basically an attack on London. So yeah, I don't know how that's going to play out. I think that's going to really impact the next movie. I think that's more of a, um, that's leading more towards another Spider-Man movie and not really an Avengers movie, which I think is pretty interesting. What do you think will happen with that? I think he's going to go underground. And, and that's kind of what I'm excited for. I hope for a new suit. I hope for him to, to vanish into the shadows. And I really want to see just a new perspective of, we'll call him the, the shadow spider or the night monkey. I think it's really interesting, too, because they spent a lot of this movie basically painting Peter Parker as the person to take over for Tony Stark. That was kind of the theme for the whole movie was Peter Parker didn't feel like he was worthy enough to fill in the shoes that Tony Stark left behind. So... I do think that video was him foreshadowing, part of that video was them foreshadowing him taking the Tony Stark mantle because, if you recall, in the first Iron Man, he got up on stage and said, everyone, Tony Stark is Iron Man. So in in the same kind of vein, right? Peter Parker is Spider-Man, just occurred. I think it's kind of interesting. And like, I know that he was hand-chosen by Tony Stark to join the Avengers, 
But I guess I just didn't think he would be the quote-unquote leader of the Avengers moving forward. And I mean, that's if you see Iron Man as the leader of the Avengers. I guess some could argue that Captain America was the leader of the Avengers for a time. But I always kind of saw Tony Stark as one of the first Avengers. And maybe that's because he kicked off the entire movie cinematic universe that was as successful as it became. But I kind of thought... Captain Marvel was going to be the next leader, or even the new Captain America was going to be the next leader, but they definitely made it seem like Peter Parker is going to be the one to lead the charge for the next phase of the MCU. How do you feel about that in terms of just like, do you think Tom Holland can carry that mantle? So I think he, they want Peter Parker and and Tony Stark wanted Peter Parker because he is a he is very, very smart. I think he sees that he's got intelligence potential beyond that even of uh, Bruce Banner. And that's why he picks him personally. Um, side note, I think he is a 16-year-old kid and I don't really understand how they're ignoring that. I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it should have been someone like Captain Marvel or the new Captain America to take on the... even even. Um, Black Widow was leading them for a little bit when everyone disbanded. And it just, it seems rushed to try to make him the leader of the Avengers just so they could could maybe do like a kid Avengers type thing or a young Avengers type thing. And that's what I feel like their angle is of why they're doing it. They're just speeding up that process from occurring. I wonder too, and and you bring up a good point about even Black Widow at one point, she led the Avengers. I wonder if it's going to be something like that where at different points in this next phase of the Avengers, there will be different leaders. Because I think there was definitely a good stretch where Captain America did lead the Avengers and kind of took that from Tony Stark for a little bit. And like you said, Black Widow did. So I wonder if between the three new like top tier characters that we already know i wonder if they'll have a a little bit of a power struggle or they'll at least share that leadership title although it's really hard when you consider that captain marvel is as powerful as she is i just don't understand why she wouldn't be the ultimate leader but i have so many thoughts and feelings about how misused she was in endgame and i don't really even understand why they bothered to have her origin story before endgame it felt rushed This is kind of a tangent, but I feel like they should have had her appear in Endgame and then done her origin story after, built up the kind of suspense like, oh, who is this person who saved us? Because obviously like Nick Fury could be like, it's okay, guys, she's with us and then explain it after the fact. But hey, I'm not an expert. I don't make the movies. What did you think overall of Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, like just the way that he acted and portrayed him? I thought Jake Gyllenhaal did a fantastic job. Um, he was very emotional when he needed to be emotional, but also played into the character well. And even he kind of had, when he was playing the bad guy, almost that mischievous feel that you look for in a villain, which felt great, especially in, when he was doing the speech amongst all of his ex-co-workers at Stark Industries. That, I mean, that, that brought you in. You were like, you wanted to cheer with him. You're like, yeah, screw Tony Stark. Yeah, I thought he was a very enigmatic type character. I don't know if that's the word I wanted to use, but he he was very energetic. You could really, like, he portrayed the emotional variants of Mysterio very well. Like, when he had to appear to be earnest, like, I could have bought that Mysterio was actually a nice guy looking out for Peter Parker 
and trying to be a good mentor for him in the beginning. And then as soon as that flip switched, when um, he started basically laying out the whole scheme behind the Mysterio plot, you could like instantly believe that he was this evil genius type character. I thought he portrayed it really well. Agreed. What did you think of the second cut scene at the end of the credits? I was a little confused, to be honest. It completely changed the way you see the movie. Because the entire movie, you think that Nick Fury is really there being Nick Fury and basically choosing Spider-Man. But at the end of that scene, the after-trailer scene, um, basically it's, oh man. The Cree. The Cree, yes. And they've basically portrayed Nick Fury the entire time. He calls real Nick Fury, who's on a Kree ship out in space, just like, hey, man, like, when are you and the Avengers coming back? Because everyone's asking me questions and I don't have the answer. And I feel like that really put the entire movie kind of on its head. So what it did for me ultimately was the directors and everyone had stated that Spider-Man Far From Home was going to be the actual end of the Avengers phase one. And to me, it just, Avengers Endgame closed where it felt like that was the end of the phase. And Far From Home felt like the beginning of the phase because it just had that, hey, there's some kind of a trailer at the end. You don't know what it means, but you're going to see. So it made it feel like that whole timeline that they made us believe was not true that endgame was phase one and this is the start of phase two i mean even from the tone of the movie as a whole especially as we got into the last probably like five or so avengers movies they got pretty heavy and like they always had those one-liner laughs and i guess like galaxies and thor ragnarok were a little bit of the exception but the core avengers movies always kind of felt a little bit more grim and serious and At the heart of this movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, I would almost describe it as like a teen rom-com that also happened to be a superhero movie. And it just felt a little bit lighter and more fun, even though there were definitely moments of gravity, but it definitely leaned a little bit more on that light, fun feeling that I've honestly been missing from a lot of the Marvel movies. So do you feel that it was kind of its own thing or the start of a new timeline? I definitely agree, yeah. I feel like I don't understand why they called that the end of this phase of the Avengers because I feel like it kicked off something new. It, it felt fresh again somehow. So that kind of wraps up all of our thoughts on Spider-Man. Like basically, would you give it like, what out of 10 do you think? So as far as my rating of Spider-Man, I think I would give it, a 7 out of 10. And, and, and I know some of you probably think that's a bit lower. But I'm more of a fan. And also, I know you just said it felt fresh and new. But I'm more of a... I got, became a fan of the dark, the action-packed, heart-wrenching that we've seen in Endgame. And <laughs> I'm kind of nervous about getting involved in a whole new timeline. There was a lot to take in in the previous one. So I think this was one of those movies that I felt could easily have stood alone. Like if you've been anywhere in pop culture, you're aware of the Avengers. So you didn't need the full backstory to really understand what was happening in the movie. And I think because the Avengers got so heavy and so deep, especially in Endgame with all of those major deaths, I think I've just been kind of tired 
And I wanted something a little bit more fun, which is why I've always, like when we went to see Shazam, I thought that was something fresh and new. And honestly, the dark feel is kind of what drove a lot of people away from the DC movies. The DC movies have always been dark. They take themselves way too seriously. And while the Avengers MCU has been fantastic and they've done a really good delicate balance, man, it just feels good to walk out of a movie and not feel like there's 10 other movies I need to be seen in the next two years. I know they let off with that little teaser at, at the after credits scene to kind of really get you involved, but I could easily have just watched this movie and walked away. And I'm so, I feel so refreshed to not be super entrenched in a franchise at this moment. So for that reason, and the fact that it was just a lot of fun, I thought they hit a lot of good comedic beats. There were some scenes that I felt lasted a little bit too long that were a little bit unnecessary. But overall, I would give this one a solid 9 out of 10, I think. See, but the, for me, the 9 out of 10 is reserved for the original Spider-Man that came out. That one was fresh, upbeat, something new. And I'm not talking the Toby Spider-Man. I'm talking about the first Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely fresh and new, but I feel like this followed closely in its footsteps. Like, if you removed all of the Avengers stuff that happened in between, and you just looked at Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home, and squashed them together and just watched them, they could easily stand on their own as another iteration of Spider-Man that I think would rival the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I, I, th- I never really liked the Andrew Garfield version, I, I tend to forget that those exist. Yeah, we don't talk about him. But I mean, I think it easily could have stood on its own. I I think the entire new take, I think Tom Holland does a really great job as a Spider-Man. I think he really... He's pers- killing it as yeah. an actor. He is so involved. He's got so many new roles coming up. It's crazy. But that said, I think that kind of wraps up our Spider-Man discussion. Um before we move on into our trivia, we do want to do a quick recap on the Fantasy Movie League. And oh, let, let me tell you, I am still in first place. I am not in third place for the week, but I am in third place overall. And unfortunately, I got to get back to my second pace slot. But your boy Devin is just holding down the fort. And I think it's going to take a lot for me to get back to second place. So we had some new people join. Um, we had Hipster Pop Geek who joined, and they actually did a pretty good job. They're a little bit behind on the season, obviously, because you can't really catch up at this point. But for the week, they did a pretty impressive job. And besides me coming in first, I'll just do a quick rundown of the entire standings. So Devin Reed came in second. Um, Hipster Pop Geek on his first week came in third place, even beating our resident movie expert, Illegal. And then Tuck came in fifth, and Spitfire32 came in sixth. And then our friends at Dem Fancy did not fill out their lineup. They are really consistent, and I appreciate them for it. Um, the best performer actually was Aladdin. And it's surprising to me because Aladdin, I feel like, has really hung on. It's been one of the consistent top performers both just in the box office in general and in fantasy movie league um it, it was the best bang for the buck that you could have got this week even amidst big launches like spider-man far from home and toy story 4 i went all in on the spider-man and the perfect score was like all toy story 4s 
Toy Story 4 was a little bit cheaper, and it actually did almost as well as Spider-Man did. That messed me up. I don't know how you experts do it. Well, this first week, um, because Fantasy Movie League only takes the weekend box office uh, ratings, and because Spider-Man Far From Home came out on the second, that was actually during the week, so you didn't get the benefit of the opening night that you normally would have if it was a weekend release. So... That said, everyone, if you want to get involved in the Fantasy Movie League, it's a great time. You'll learn a lot about movies. You'll learn a lot about box office performances. You'll get called out during the podcast every week. Um, You can find us on Fantasy Movie League. We are the Online Warriors Podcast League, and the password is podcast. Super creative. Um. With that wrapped up, we're going to move into our trivia game of the week. It's going to be, I'm going to have a tough opponent today. Yeah, so without illegal here, it's really just going to be me reading questions to Tectic. And this week, our Patreon subscriber, Ben, has helped us choose the topic. So very fitting with what we've just talked about, it's going to be Spider-Man themed trivia. I don't know why I keep doing these noises, but it works. So, Tectic, I'm going to start off with the first question. What comic did Spider-Man have his first appearance in? And I'll give you three different options, and you can pick which one you think is correct. So, the first one is The Amazing Spider-Man, number one. The second one is Amazing Fantasy number 15. And the third one is Marvel Avengers number two. I'm going to go in the... Amazing Spider-Man number one seems obvious, but so I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with what they did in the Avengers and say where they had him appear before they introduced his movie and say the Avengers comic. I made that up. It's actually Amazing Fantasy number 15. For our next question, Weird. can you tell me what year that comic and first appearance occurred in? It first happened in 1957. That's actually really close. That came out in 1962. It's a long time ago. I didn't realize that Spider-Man was around that long. Did you? Yeah, comic books have been around for a while. I know, but I I just, I guess I figured Spider-Man was a little bit later, probably in like the 70s or 80s. I don't know why. Do you know what his first villain was that he faced? I'm not going to give you options because there's a ton of Spider-Man villains for you to choose from. I think it was Electro. That's actually really close. The villain's name was Supercharger. He was the living battery. I don't know if he eventually morphed into Electro, but that was a pretty close guess. Did you know that for real? Yeah, it was the guy with the little shocking things on him. Look at you. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. And do you know what the lifetime gross box office earnings of the Tobey Maguire first Spider-Man movie was? Oh, geez. It's going to be in millions. I'll give you that much. Okay, well, that's good. That's humbling, I guess. Um, Let's go 67 million. Okay, well, some of these movies from Fantasy Movie League make that much in like two weekends. Do you want to give me a new guess? Let's go 670 million. 
that was a little bit too much. It made 403 million, actually just over 403 million. But pretty good for Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Way to go, Tobes. And our final question is how many suits does Spider-Man have in the history of the comic book, movie, etc.? Is the video game included? The video game drew a lot from comic book lore and also the Avengers movies. Okay, so I'm going to go with 55. I had over 25, so you're not technically incorrect. Yes. But there were a bunch of different suits, and this isn't really so much trivia now as it is just me wanting to go through some of the the pretty cool styles and some of my favorite Spider-Man suits that I've found. So my favorite one by far lately is the Iron Spider suit. That one made an appearance in Spider-Man Far From Home, but it was also the one that Tony Stark originally gave to Peter Parker, I want to say in Civil War. I could be wrong. My favorite one is the suit from Spider-Man 2099. That one is pretty dope. I will say it looks super futuristic. I also really like, um, this is kind of cheesy, but I kind of like the original like hoodie, just kind of ghetto looking Spider-Man costume, like when he was just starting out. I thought that was always pretty cool. You mean the one when he was fighting Bonesaw? Exactly. I thought that one was really neat. And that, and I, I really liked the stealth suit. And so in Spider-Man Far From Home, they called that the Night Monkey, which was a funny name, but there's so much history behind the stealth suit. And it was a nice nod that it was in the movie at all. But I wish they would have just like said, this is your stealth suit or something better than calling it Night Monkey, which was funny, but still. So is that the last question? That was the last question. Um, That was pretty much wrapping up our whole episode for the week. We appreciate you guys listening in every week. Hopefully next week, if you guys can't bear just listening to me and Tectic, Illegal will return from his vacation. He'll make his grand return and return to hosting the show. Um, If you are interested in following our activities off the podcast, we're very active on Twitter. We are at OnlineWarriors1. We each also have our own Twitter handles. I am at OWNerdBomber. Tectic is at OWTectic. And Illegal also has his at, at OWIllegal86. Can I end with a dad joke that I heard today? You can indeed at, end with a dad joke. So I was at the grocery store today, and I'm pretty positive that the cashier was checking me out. But um. That was a good one. That's what I thought. Was it when you were buying the Pokemon cards? Shh, don't judge me. I'm not judging. I love Pokemon cards. But yes. So with that, thank you for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you guys next week. See you next week.